Welcome to the Fierce Impact Podcast. I'm your host, Hayley Maxwell, brand clarity and messaging coach, copywriter, ferocious ice cream eater and leopard print lover. If you're ready to harness the incredible brand building power of words so you can become memorable, meaningful and the only real choice for your dream clients, this is the podcast for you. Let's get started. Well, howdy, howdy, my friend, and welcome to the Fierce Impact Podcast. Delighted, as always, to have you here. Thank you, thank you for taking the time to listen in. Now, a very, very important question. Have you got all your Christmas shopping done? Or do you like the exhilaration of leaving it until the last minute? Me, I've got a few little bits to get, but actually this year we've really focused on simplifying Christmas, streamlining it. So my girls are going to get prezzies, they're still going to get prezzies, but I've definitely been more selective and focused this year in terms of what I'm buying. I can tend to get a little bit carried away and I end up buying all sorts of little crappy bits and pieces that actually (laughs) they really don't need. And so we've also actually cut down on prezzies for other family members, choosing to spend quality time and give thanks to them rather than just giving presents for the sake of it. As much as I love Christmas, I do find that we end up getting into such a tizzy about getting the present, getting presents, getting presents, getting presents. And we can often just go and grab, grab, grab without intention and thought. So I've been really conscious of this this year. And in fact, actually, this kind of simplification ties very nicely into today's episode. I have the delightful Jill Mokes with me talking all about rewilding your business. And this is a concept that I absolutely love, the process of simplifying your business and carving out your own way to create a thriving business that better serves you and your clients. And this conversation was such a meaningful, deep diving conversation. I could have chatted to Jill for hours about this. And I think it's really perfect conversation to listen into as you contemplate what parts of your business you want to take into 2023 and what you might want to release, to let go of. So let me introduce Jill to you. Jill is an award-winning ICF certified business coach and mentor and the host of the Heads Together podcast. Fab podcast, by the way. I highly recommend you go and listen to it. Jill works with freedom-seeking, risk-taking entrepreneurs around the world to help them grow phenomenal businesses doing what they love. She helps incredible women design a new reality and a life and business lived on their own terms, delivering the map, the motivation and the mindset to achieve more than they ever thought possible. 
Jill believes that when you're brave enough to do things your way and you're outstanding at what you do, you deserve a life of infinite possibilities. And so I really, really hope that you enjoy this thought-provoking conversation as much as I enjoyed having it and recording it for you. So let's dive in. Welcome to the Fierce Impact Podcast, Jill. How are you doing? I'm doing so good. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. I'm really excited about our chat today because um, the topic that you're going to talk about is all about rewilding your business. And I love this um, concept that you've come up with around what this actually means. And it's something that I, I talk to my clients about as, as well as this idea of reducing the complexity that we've got um, within our business and really mm focusing on what we are a genius at, so that genius zone, and really just focusing on becoming sort of an expert in a particular thing. And so I think that that really aligns with, you know, what I talk about a lot. So I'm super excited to dig into it. But before we get started, would you like to just tell me a little bit about um, your business journey and, and sort of how you evolved and got to where you are? Yeah, sure. I'd be happy to. And at first, before I jump in, I, I'm just I'm so happy that this concept of rewilding your business resonates so much with you as well, because mm. it's one of those things where, you know, you get this kind of idea in your head. And I was very much kind of, oh, are people going to relate to this? Well, it turns out people really relate to it. So thank you yeah. for inviting me on to talk about it, because it's something that I'm really um, passionate about at the moment. It seems to be having a big impact Um it's really resonating with people. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm a business coach, mentor, and I also host the Heads Together podcast. Um, I'm based in Colchester, which has the claim of being Britain's oldest recorded town, which always makes wow. me laugh because I feel like it's like we're not quite brave enough to call ourselves Britain's oldest town. We have to add Britain's oldest recorded Town. recorded <laughs> yeah I love it's very like we, British we don't quite have right, it we it? don't quite have the balls to say we're the, we're the oldest <laughs> um, yeah so I work um I work with women um around the world who are doing good work so um the women I work with are all very purpose-driven they are all on a mission to make a difference and I help them really bring the full fat version of their dream business to life. Um, yeah, so that's what I would get up to. Yeah, and I, lo- I love that, um, how you talk about that full fat version of, of your business and your, your dream. So I just love that. So keen to dig into that as well in, in the conversation too. Mm. But um, could we just start by talking a little bit about that that concept of rewilding your business and just sort of articulating what that means to my listeners. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. I think so rewilding is a phrase obviously um, normally applied to things in nature. Um, And for me, there's a real parallel with our businesses. And what I mean when I talk about rewilding is Looking at your business 
and really trying to cut away and clear out the things that just don't belong there so that the things that do belong in your business can thrive. I think we have allowed our businesses to get toxically complex. Mm. You know, there is the the whole digital arena is so noisy. Um, there are so many voices screaming that we have to um, do this strategy and this um, have this many offers and upsells and downsells and cross sells and triggers and calls to action everywhere. And, you know, there's there's a lot of words in the online business arena. And I think that there are times when we consume so much advice mm. that we end up building this kind of monster of a business model that get that's got a bit out of hand mm. and actually that tends to be where I start with my clients when we start looking at rewilding their business it really is a big long look at their business model because very often and when I talk about business model I talk I'm what I'm actually meaning is um who they work with so the the, the clients they work with yeah their offers and their pricing. So those are the kind of three tiers, if you like. So we start off taking, take, for example, their client base. I I don't, I kind of have a feeling that you probably get this too when you're working with your clients. And that is when they have, you know, probably seven different avatars that they can serve. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and all of a sudden <laughs> they're trying to create content that's going to talk directly to these seven different types yeah. of people or et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, it's a, a message. I, I don't think there's anything groundbreaking that I'm saying here, but really niching down serves a very important purpose in your business. It's because it allows you to simplify your messaging. It mm. allows you to just talk to the very people that you can create the most transformational results for and so straight away that for me is part of the rewilding process it's looking Mm. at what you do and who you serve and how you can streamline that to make it crisper cleaner um, nuanced and then we look at their offers and quite often people just have this huge you know you see all the diagrams of the various different pyramids of value you know where People have got free offers and then they've got perhaps a a cheap little $27 digital course or something. And then they've got a paid workshop and then they've got a digital course and then they've got a membership and then they've got a mastermind and then they've got a retreat and they've got one-to-one at the top. For me, that is a nightmare. And I think it's one of the hurdles that so many business owners fall at is that they have been told they have to have all of these things or they have to have this um, value ladder of offers. Mm. And, you know, the complexity that goes around the back end of a business that is delivering services to all of those different offers, the back end alone is enough to give you a a meltdown. Mm. So another way you can rewild your business is really think about, okay, so for those people that I've now narrowed down to the absolute right people that I want to serve what's the absolute right offer for them and with the clients I work with that tends to be a single high ticket offer 
um, mm. you know, without so many different options that muddy the water and make everything so complex. I mean, sometimes we have like maybe it's two offers or, you know, but generally speaking, it's a very cleared out version of what what they have when I begin working with them for sure. And similarly with the pricing, the other kind of third leg of the business model, often um, pricing has got everyone wrapped in knots. And quite often I say, you know, wouldn't it be fantastic to just have two prices that roll off the top of your tongue, you know, and you just Mm. don't vary them. That's just what you charge and you're perfectly comfortable with that. So I think that, yeah, that's probably where we start with the rewilding is, is just battling that, those complex business models and, and really trying to get back to a place where things feel a bit more natural and a bit more manageable. Yeah. It's, I think it's, it's very, very easy, isn't it, to get caught up in consuming a lot of content and a lot of um you need to have this and it would be great to have this and if you want to achieve this then this is the way that you need to do it and I think more often than not I think what happens is before you know it you've sort of ended up with something that has become quite unwieldy in terms Mm -hmm. of your business and your business offerings because you're trying to take in this advice and you're trying to create a business that is um, successful you know I'm saying in in air quotes successful and you kind of think, well, if if all of these other people are doing this, then this must be the right way. I must need to have this and then this and then this and then this over here. Right. And and I think it can sometimes happen before we've even realized, you know, and we turn around and then we have got so much going on in our business. And then we're sort of like, ah, oh, stuck in terms of well, now that I've got all of this stuff, how do I actually market all of this? Because it's not just the fact that you've got all of these offers, it's actually then the marketing becomes really complex too because yeah, you've got to then knock figure on effect, it all out. Exactly, yeah. You've mm-hmm. got to figure out when am I going to market this to my audience? When am I going to market that to my audience? How am I going to fit all of that in to get people in? You know, so everything becomes mm-hmm. a lot more more complex with it, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think, you know, it's really interesting that. Um, you're just saying then about how that we consume so much we consume all of this content and we also we we try and emulate other people's businesses Mm. so and it's perfectly natural particularly for people who in the earlier stages of building a business and and particularly when it comes to an online business the temptation is to look for someone that you admire and whose business you would love to have Mm. and really look at that and try and pull it apart and replicate the way they do things. And I think what people forget is that these people who have been around that much longer and have these more complex business models also have a team of people behind them managing all of the moving parts that go into making that work smoothly. It's absolutely unrealistic when um, solopreneurs start trying to emulate someone 
that they, you know, love. I'm the worst one. I see this happen all the time with the, like Amy Porterfield. I love Amy Porterfield, but the problem is when people look at her business and think, right, I'm going to just create myself a replica of that. And I'm going to have these seven figure uh, course launches or whatever, yeah. you know, and it's just, it really makes me quite angry actually, because I'm not angry with anyone in particular. I'm certainly not Amy. She's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> but it does make me angry that people don't have the instinct in them to do it their own way and to do it at their own pace. And I think that's really, that really is part of this rewilding process as well. It's coming back to who you are as a business person, what's important to you in your business, what's your way of doing it. Um, and not it's not buying into the way other people do things all the time. It's really finding your own path and having the courage to do things differently sometimes. And that's something that I see a lot is that without the validation of someone who's gone before them and done it exactly the same way, people almost feel too exposed to try something different that really feels yeah. more natural to them. Yeah, that's that's really interesting, isn't it? That, yeah, it's almost like, well, you know, if they've had a, a success doing it this way, then that is really the way that I, I should do it. But that kind of stifles a lot of creativity, doesn't it? It mm. stifles that room for us to come up with new ideas or solutions that might be incredibly perfect for our ideal clients. Um, yeah. You're so right. You're so right. Because if you think about it, if you're kind of leapfrogging the natural progression of a business that's growing organically in line with its owner's ideas which is effectively mm. what you try and do when you try and emulate someone who's further along than you and you try and copy their business model then what happens um, when you do that is that your business becomes very crowded very quickly and it's mm. does it doesn't always reflect in your revenue unfortunately yeah. so suddenly you've got this business that has lots of moving parts is very complex yeah but it doesn't have the revenue of a business with that complexity it doesn't have the revenue that is going to afford you the team that are going to take care of all of the moving parts for you so there's a real um disconnect between mm. the complex business model that you've kind of cobbled together versus the income that could sustain that business model and the point you made just now which is so true which is around there being no space you're so busy doing it the way other people have done it or doing it the way that everyone else does mm. that you've clogged up your entire brain bandwidth with that and there's yeah. no space to experiment I mean, marketing, for example, you know, we're, we get so busy um, agonizing over doing the right marketing strategies. And I think we forget that 
90% of marketing is experimentation because mm. not one single business owner has the exact same audience as another, not one. Yeah. So marketing by its very nature is always going to be experimental. It's going to be about trying things and seeing what, what works for you and what doesn't. And when you've created this very complex business that leaves very little bandwidth for any of that free thinking, that's going to be challenging. Mm, absolutely. I think, and, and yeah, as I said, you're, you're not going to come up with your best ideas. You know, you're not leaving that space right. for your your best ideas. Yeah. And whether that's your best ideas for marketing or whether it's your best ideas for for offers, um, yeah, it's you're not going to come up with those. So how do we go mm-hmm. about kind of tuning into being able to trust our intuition? Mm-hmm. Yeah, great question. I always feel like I'm being a little facetious when I say this, but it seriously is as easy as making a choice. Mm-hmm. Everyone can make the choice that they are going to be successful and that they are going to be a person who is confident enough to do things their own way. Mm. Sometimes making the choice to be that person is actually the hardest thing, but it's also the only real thing that you need to do. And it's the thing that trips people up. They're waiting for some kind of permission from the universe to do what feels right. And that permission doesn't come from the universe. It comes from inside of us. It mm-hmm. And it comes by tuning back into our intuition. And really, I think most people know intuitively when something feels right or it doesn't. Yeah. The problem is, and going back, it's when we're in that phase of I have to be replicating what someone else has done because I don't know enough to mm. to make it do it my way. Um, I think it's just so easy to get stuck in that cycle and lose track of what actually feels right to you. Yeah. Um, and be brave enough to go against what the gurus or the uh, you know, the noise out there um, online is telling you. Because let's face it, it's a bit like the diet industry. Literally, you could, for every person that says TikTok's the answer, there'll be another person saying LinkedIn, another person saying Twitter, another person saying Instagram. Like There is yeah. so much noise out there. For everyone who's saying, you know, group coaching is the answer, then you've got people like me who say, no, I don't, I don't like group coaching particularly. I don't like coaching in that way. I like coaching one-to-one. That's mm. right for me. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and it does begin with making a choice, choosing to be a certain type of business owner. Now that, that is something that I suggest people emulate because if you look at some of the people that you might really respect and admire, the Brene Browns, the Marie Forleos, you know, whoever it is in your industry that you look up to, try and emulate the kind of person they are, the kind of business owner they are, mm. not what they actually do in their business. Yeah. 
Because one thing's for sure, I think the people who are wildly successful have done it their way. Yeah. The the people who really have an innovative, um, in-demand business, it's because they did something different. They stood out. They did something different. And so I, I always say to people that, you know, by all means, emulate the kind of person that you want to be. Just not just just do that your way, though. Let yeah. that empower you to do things your own way in your business. We all know on some level, we all know what feels right and what doesn't feel right to us. Yeah. It's just that we override that because we're scared of getting it wrong. So we exactly. think, well, if we if we follow the way everyone else does it, or if we follow the way most people do it, we've got a better chance of success. Yeah. But of course, yeah. that's crazy. If you do it the way everyone else does it, do you not have any idea how many businesses are out there that all sound and look and are the same? Mm, exactly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think, and and you touched on a point that I just made a note around, um, I think one of the main reasons that people sort of get they might have some really great ideas for things that they really want to do or things that they feel are really needed. But it's about that fear of trying something different or trying something yeah. new or or stepping onto a path that isn't already well trodden. And if yeah, I do that's this, scary. will it be successful? And so that is a really, it is a really scary thing. It is. It is a scary thing, but that's okay. I mm. think I think there's one thing that I've really noticed over the last few years, and that is this real loud, shouty message online that everything should feel easy. And if it doesn't, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. And, you know, that is damaging to people because that means that people – uh, the minute that something does feel scary or overwhelming or then they're going to revert to that default of just copying what someone else has done because that feels safe yeah so it's really limiting to look at it like that it's really limiting to be so uncomfortable with a bit of fear and I think you know really if you're if you've decided upon an entrepreneurial path got to get comfortable with an element of fear to be successful mm. I really believe that Absolutely. I um Glennon Doyle you know who wrote Untamed she has yes. a fantastic podcast I've been listening to recently called and it's called you can do hard things and yep. that's a great one that, that I don't you think that's just such a good title it because is, we can yeah. do hard things yeah, it's okay absolutely. for things to feel hard sometimes and for things to absolutely. feel scary that's okay. That's the rite of passage. That's the path we've chosen as entrepreneurs. So it's almost like I want to say to people, don't, don't shy away now. This is when it gets yeah, good. Exactly. When it starts to feel scary, that's when you're probably onto something really good. Yeah, I, I love that. 
This year, I've focused more on beginning to step out of my own comfort zone. And Mm. actually now I quite, it sounds very strange, but I quite enjoy the feeling of fear. (laughs) Just that little bit, because it reminds me. I totally get that. It makes me feel alive. It reminds me that, yep, this is scary. Yes, I haven't done this before. Does that mean that I can't do it? No, it doesn't. It's It means that there's opportunity, there's growth, there's development for me there's learning opportunities so I think I've come to learn to love that little feeling of fear because I think then I'm like no this is this is something that's stretching me it's making me step into that unknown and I think that when we really tune into that part of what we're scared of and we take opportunities, we say yes to things that before we might have had to take time to think about really hard or we've shied away from, it just brings about so much so much that you can you can learn and it brings about so many new opportunities, opens so many new doors. And so mm-hmm. yeah, just just tuning back into what you were saying about that yeah I think um fear is you know, it's a good thing agree yeah it is a good thing and also I'm uh, reminding ourselves that if we fail the world doesn't stop turning no exactly right and again yep. kind of coming back to what we were saying a little bit earlier about that whole experimentation thing that can be a really useful mindset shift mm. for when something's feeling scary when something's yeah. feeling really scary, it can be, well, I'll just, I'll just experiment. It's fine. If it, if it yeah. doesn't work, it doesn't work. I'm just going to do a, a little experiment with this. And I think that can be really helpful for, for doing things that feel overwhelming or feel scary. Absolutely. Yeah. When you're looking to do those, those new things or try different things, absolutely looking at it as an experiment is such a great mindset shift mm. because whether it it goes the way you want it to go or whether it maybe goes the way that you didn't want it to go either way you've still one moved yourself forward you've done that thing yep. and that's a massive achievement and two you've learned so much along that way mm-hmm. in that in that process you've learned so many lessons that you can then use to take those next steps as well so I'm always of the view that nothing is a failure because you, if you look at it from the perspective of it being an experiment and giving things a go, then you always, always learn. That's right. It's data. Everything's data. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's it's the results of the experiment. Mm, what does this data tell me? Yes, I won't be doing that again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But absolutely. Yeah, you're right. You're yes. right. I think there are lots of things like that that we can do to just try and have a little more sovereignty around our decision making and you know hard choices um hard decisions are hard decisions but that's okay we can make hard decisions we're smart business owners we can make smart decisions for our business absolutely and so if someone is in that process of feeling quite kind of stuck because they feel like they've got so many different things going on in their in their business and they don't know Mm. which to focus on first or what to strip out what are some you know practical steps that people can take to begin to yeah begin to streamline things and simplify Mm. things 
Do you know, one thing that I'm really obsessed with is putting your clients first. So I think that this is, again, it's another message that we've had a lot over the last few years, which is, oh, you know, I'm working too much in my business. I need to be working on my business. Yes, 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 yes. And, and I'm personally, I think that working in your business is the most important thing you do. If you don't focus on working in your business, you will have no work, business to work on. So I think where to start? I think you start with your clients, start with your existing clients and serving them to the absolute best of your ability. Nothing in your business is more important than serving your clients. Nothing. So I always say to people, you know, let's start there. Start with making sure that you are serving your clients in the best way possible. And is it serving your clients in the best way possible if your offers are confusing? If by having too many offers, you're not really rolling out any service in the best way you could be because things are too complicated. So really, um, you know, like Stephen Covey um, says in his book, start with the end in mind. What is the end result you want the end result you want is really happy clients who talk about you to other people who then contact you because they want to work with you that's that's the desired end goal so if you work backwards from that it's really obvious then suddenly it's very obvious well okay so then nothing is more important than giving my clients like the best service I can possibly possibly do anything else outside of that gets has to fit in under that hierarchy so that's that's the first thing I would say I think the second thing I would say is that you will never go wrong if you simplify you will usually go wrong if you make things more complicated Mm. so I always think that it's just so helpful to look at your business Look at the vision you have for your business. Look at the goals you have. Look at your business model. What are the offers, the clients, the pricing? Look at your marketing. Look at your systems. And really say to yourself, what can I take away? Mm. Can I ditch? Have I got too many goals that I'm trying to achieve? And is that making things cloudy for me? Is Is that actually making me not really have a great deal of clarity around what I should be prioritizing yeah um, your business model again can you narrow down that niche so that you're very clear on who you're working with and it's it's one ideal client yeah. can you do that can you take away can you ditch some of those complex offers in your business and again coming back to those ideal clients what do they really want do they yeah. really want another ebook? Do they really want that? Is that really going to deliver them the results they want? Or do they want more one-on-one time with you? Do they want a retreat? Do they want a um, done-for-you service? What do they really want? Not what you want, not the way you want to do it. What do they really want? And then match that 
with the way that you like to do things. Mm, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think that was probably a long-winded answer to your question, but that, that is where that was I a very start. good answer. Yeah, I think, and a couple <laughs> of things came up for me when you were talking, and that is that you're right in that I think there has been a lot of talk about working on your business versus in your business and vice versa. And what I see is that in many ways, it's almost like all this time working on your business has gone a little bit too far because I kind of feel like if you are a service-based business owner, you have signed up to serve your clients. That is what you're here to do. So your business is all about serving clients. And so that means to a large degree, you are going to be working in your business, serving your clients. And I think there's almost this message that, you know, like you said, if you're working too much in your business, then you're doing something wrong. And and that's not, Mm. it's not the case at all. You know, I think actually it's about getting that that balance. So you can maintain your brand awareness, you can maintain visibility and ensure that you've always got new clients coming to you. But Yeah, as I say, as a service-based business owner, you're making that decision to serve clients. And so that's what we need to do. But I think there's so much messaging that's making us think that actually, if we are spending time serving clients, then that's something wrong. You know, that's something we're doing wrong in business. And so I think it's it's just shifted too much one way and not the other. And I think it's always coming back to that. It's tied in with that um passive income thing isn't it as soon as that that phrase was coined passive income as soon Mm. as that was coined all of a sudden if you didn't if you hadn't nailed your passive income you um you were almost looked down upon for still actually serving your clients what you're still actually working with your clients and and interacting with them are you crazy and I just think how how messed up is that that's just nuts and and that's not to say that there isn't a place for passive income in some business models for some people. Absolutely. It's absolutely right. But I think, again, it's just everything gets skewed too far when yeah. these new concepts come in. And the other thing mm-hmm. that you said that I sort of picked up on is as well as I think there's also part of looking at our business and obviously looking at what we've got within our business that is is profitable or not profitable but also then looking at it from the perspective of do we enjoy delivering that that those services so yes it might be profitable but actually does it light us up do we really enjoy doing that is that the way that we feel we can best deliver our expertise you know and because that obviously has a knock-on effect to people who are purchasing that service so I think that's another Mm -hmm. thing that we can do when we're trying to figure out what what we're trying to streamline and and simplify in our business and it might be that maybe you've got things that you're kind of hanging on to for you know you've been hanging on to for a while and and actually they're not profitable um but they're there because every now and then someone needs it and it's kind of yeah. like well actually yeah. we can we can maybe move that one on as as well 
You're so right. I um I often see with clients actually this one of the reasons clients will if I challenge a client and say, you know, I really feel like it's time we let go of that. I don't I just yeah. you know, how, what do you think? And they'll often say, Yeah, I know, but the thing is, oh, I've got all of that copy and I've got the workbooks and, and all yeah. the all of the kind of you know, the videos are all done. So mm, I might as well keep it available. And because they they don't see it as adding any complexity into their business. Mm-hmm. But the truth yeah. is, of course, it is still a complexity. Because yeah. and honestly, I can say this from firsthand experience. As and I am speaking as, as someone who has had a way more complex business model than the one I have now in the past. Um and I, so I'm very guilty of doing that, of holding on to things for way longer than I should have done. And all I would say is that the feeling, the expansive feeling you get from just doubling down on what you're really good at Mm. and letting go of the clutter, it is like decluttering your house, rewilding your business, like decluttering your house. (laughs) I'm I'm basically the Marie Kondo for the online business world. (laughs) I love that. <laughs> now that needs to be like your LinkedIn line, you know, when on you LinkedIn where you have that top line, you need that. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> I think I may have to do that. <laughs> Love it. And so you talk about um, you know, stepping into or or owning this kind of full fat version of your business mm. or your, you know, your dreams. What so what do you what do you mean by that? Oh my goodness. Um I coined that phrase because this is something that I see all the time in other people and I've done it myself. And that is that you end up beavering away, creating a light version of the business you really want. Mm. And it's all because of limiting beliefs around what you are and are not capable of. And what is and is not available to you. Hmm. And for a long time, I mean, when I first, I worked in corporate for 25 odd years. Um, I didn't start my first business until I was in my 40s. And I started kind of like the only business I felt was realistic for me. I wanted to be a coach. I always wanted to be a coach. But I didn't feel like that was realistic for me. So my first business, I started as a VA. That was a bloody good VA, but it absolutely wasn't what I wanted to be doing. Mm. And so I tentatively kind of promoted myself to online business manager, you know, and, and I and I would tell anyone who would listen, oh, you know, I don't want to be in the spotlight. I want to be the person that supports other women building their dream businesses. And it was just a complete and utter lie, but it was all I was capable of claiming for myself at that point. I just wasn't brave enough to put my hand up and say, actually, I really want to have a very, a wildly successful coaching practice. Mm. I just wasn't brave enough to claim that. And, um, it took a long time. It took a long time for me to really work on that and to cultivate the courage 
to actually make a stand for what I really wanted and to pivot my business Mm. to get the business that I have now, which is a wildly successful coaching practice. You know, I've, I have made that happen. And that is the full fat version of my business, but it hasn't been easy. And I, I want to help women do it a lot quicker than I did. I want to help people recognize when they're not doing it. I want them to recognize the signs of working on a light version. And often it will be the, the areas where you you play small. It will be in your pricing. You're undercharging for what you do. It will be around um, the kind of clients you want to work with. Yeah. Um, you know, lots of signs like that can creep in and and keep you playing small. And I just, I guess that's really my mission is to, to really help women. The clients I work with, all of my clients are absolutely amazing and they're all outstanding at what they do. And they all deserve this life of limitless opportunity because for me, that's when you are good at what you do, that is what you deserve. And there should be nothing that stops you staking your claim for that. Yeah, absolutely. And so there are three questions that I always ask at the end of my um, chats. And so I want to dive into those questions with you. (laughs) And so the first of those is, what does being fierce in business mean to you? You, good question. To me, being fierce is being brave enough to do things my way. Mm. it's yeah it it's it's really reaping the benefit of cultivating courage from the very first time I started the business to where I am now I feel fearless and that makes me fierce yeah absolutely love that so much and what's the impact that you're trying to make through your business I guess, like I say, I think my mission really is to help other women create the full fat version of the business that they were destined to run and to help them recognize when they're not doing that because Mm -hmm. playing small is a really, really common thing. And I think sometimes we don't even recognize we're doing it. And yet there is so much more available to us if Mm. we open up to it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And what's one piece of advice that you've been given that's really had an impact or an influence on the way that you do business? Um, That's a really good question. It's that I don't need permission. Mm. Um, that is what uh, someone that I worked with years ago actually said to me. And I think they said, you know, you're a smart woman. You don't need permission to make this decision. And it, it really landed with me. And I've rem- remembered that ever since, that whilst it's really great when people 
validate your decisions when they agree with you, when they are happy and cheering and, you know, they they couldn't, you know, couldn't be more validating in their praise of you. It's nice, but it isn't necessary. I don't mm. need validation or permission to build my business my way and to do things differently to other people when it feels right to me. Um, yeah, so I think that that's probably the best piece of advice. Yeah, I think that's such a good piece of advice because I think we hold ourselves back so much waiting for that permission from these unknown people um, to just go yep. for what we want. So, yeah, that's I think it. that's such a good piece of advice. Well, I have loved, loved, loved every minute of having this conversation with you. So I just want to say a massive thank you to you for coming on and sharing all your thoughts and wisdom with with me and with our listeners. So thank you so much. And oh, just before you go, can you let us know where we can come and find you if we want to come and um, track you down? Of course. Come and stalk me. I love it. I'm at your mokes. Um, more or less everywhere I think yeah um, yep. I'll probably um, the places I hang out the most are LinkedIn um, and a little bit on Instagram I kind of dabble a bit but I wouldn't say I'm I, I'm not again you know when it when we talk about the things that we prioritize I'm a I'm really a lot about connection and I will take that over consistency personally um but i yeah, yeah i'm on linkedin pretty regularly instagram a bit uh, my website is at jillmokes uh is www.jillmokes.com yep i don't think we have to say the www no i don't do think so anymore i do wonder that sometimes but, but i'm yeah. just showing my age aren't i <laughs> i'm on the world wide web <laughs> <laughs> Uh, awesome and if anyone wants if they check out my website I do offer I make some slots available for breakthrough sessions which they can apply for via the website amazing awesome and I'll put all of those links in the the show notes as well so people can come find you easily but yeah thank you so so much for everything that you've shared today well thank you for having me this has been so fun well I hope that you found this episode valuable I absolutely loved it and I would love to know what your key takeaway was and if you enjoyed it I would love for you to screenshot it and share it on Instagram stories. You can tag me in at the Hayley Maxwell and I always, always welcome feedback too. So please don't be shy to pop me a DM. Let me know if there's a topic you'd like me to cover. Let me know what you thought of an episode. I would honestly, honestly be thrilled to hear from you. And if you don't want to miss out on future episodes, make sure you hit the subscribe button in your favourite podcast player. And until next time, go forth and be fierce.